Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Oh, my God. That means it's almost December. We're in the holidays now. This counts. Yeah, and I don't know. That's a whole other thing. Like when people get into like, when is too early to decorate for Christmas or the holidays or whatever. Yeah. And all that. And I guess it's like most people are like, it's got to be after November 11th so that it's not offensive to soldiers. I'm not saying that, but someone said that. But I'm also like... I really doubt a soldier, especially a veteran, is going to be like, oh, my God, Christmas lights? What, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. like, I personally wouldn't put them up that early. But if you did November 1st, I don't know. I can't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm like, I don't really think someone's going to preoccupy themselves with like, oh, my God, a Santa? Well, there is the American thing of, one, their turkey eating season is too close together mm-hmm. because their Thanksgiving and Christmas is way closer. Yeah. But I think it always marks a good time to do it because the Macy's Parade is in a couple days. Yeah. And at the end of the Macy's Parade, as we all know from Miracle on 34th, has Santa Claus in it. And that kind of brings out Christmas, brings out the holidays. Okay. That's like a month. That's a good time. But Thanksgiving happened a month ago, so I'm just confused. So, yeah, so we, <laughs> we should have started then. Yeah, is that how that works? I mean, geez, it's just too hard to keep under control. In Ottawa, we're still... Uh, it's cold, but I biked here today. Oh, wow, jeez. And it's what I always think about is that when I was in high school in the Stone Age, I would not be biking in late November. No. There would be two feet of snow on the ground, and we'd be walking uphill both ways to school in minus 40 weather. Yeah. So that's nice, but it is also like, oh, I hope that's not the end times. That's supposed to be kind of nice Friday, though maybe that'll be a nice day to bike. Like, we still have to put <laughs> yeah. up, we've got like, some sort of thing that we're putting on the steps this year, like a kind of a thick, I don't know, not plastic, but some kind of thing that will not make the male person slip and break their neck. Oh, that's nice of you. (laughs) Yeah, and so like we kind of put off installing it because it was nice out, and now it's not so nice out vis-a-vis snow and ice. So we've kind of just been waiting for it to be warm enough, I guess, so that we can go out there, quickly clear them off, nail them down or screw them in, and then just not think about it again. Yeah, I mentioned that to Andrew about a week ago, is that in the real winter times, when it's eight feet of snow and minus 40 in Ottawa, which happens sometimes. Or Buffalo right now. Is it like that in Buffalo? It was like six feet of snow. That's coming. It's coming our way. Don't think about it. But during those times, we just put up a basic generic visit mayfairtheater.ca for showtimes. Yeah, yeah. Which most people don't care. Some people get upset. But it's always like, I don't know, we're in 2022. You've got a smartphone and the internet and there's flyers outside. There's our bulletin board. There's posters with the showtime. So it's not like we're keeping secret. But it's just, it's dangerous up there. Yeah. And even when you have somebody holding the ladder, even if you're taking your time, the other thing is the tiles freeze to (laughs) the marquee. Yeah. So that's not fun. Yeah, then when you bang against them, sometimes you could risk breaking the thing holding them in there, too. Yeah. Because that's how... I don't think I've personally done it, but it's been close. And our marquee is falling apart. It's funny. From a distance, the marquee looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Up close, when you're changing it, it's just filled with little dents and holes. Spiders. And pieces. Lots of spiders. <laughs> yeah, never forget the spiders. Lots of spiders. That's the true changing of the seasons when the spiders go home. Yeah. And you're like, hey, there's not spiders up here anymore. Yeah. Even we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's our big thing to fix. We'll wait till it gets nice again yeah. is changing the 
what do you call it? The things you put the tiles in? Yeah, they're like, kind of the, like holders. The or rows? Something. Like, yeah, the, I guess it's kind of a row. Like, I should know that as a professional. But. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a specific word for it. Is it a lost art now? You know, these but marquee thingers? There's certain gaps in those rows uh-huh. that means either sometimes we put up a shorter version of a title or have to carefully put the spaces in because the gaps are big enough that you can't put an eye there <laughs> because it would just fall through. Yeah. So people never seem to notice that, but that's that's happening right now. Yeah, and there used to be one, I don't know if it's still like this, but there used to be one in the middle where there was a little piece missing. So when you would try to push them all over, it would get kind of janky. Oh my God. And you're just like, okay, it's easy, easy, easy. Not good, not good. <laughs> And then sometimes also when you're holding the ladder, which seems like it's helpful and good, which it is, you also run the risk of potentially getting beamed with a falling <laughs> ladder, which I don't know if it's hit me. I think one hit me in the top of the head one time, which was fine. But then others have gone like my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> like it's like a, a letter goes by and it's not even like a, a scarlet letter or like an E that I could feel good about or something. But I was like, no, that's just comes too close. You know, that was that big lawsuit you uh, put against the Mayfair oh, for damages for. <laughs> but then we're, you're like we can't pay like we don't I, just, I was like i assume you guys are running a theater you're rich millionaires but yeah. no i guess it wasn't like that but yes the marquee is something to fix sooner or later but yeah so when it does get colder that's why we do that which most people understand mm-hmm. but a week ago it was kind of christmasy and then the weather turned so we're still doing it for now but then it always is there's one day where out of nowhere overnight there's a giant Rudolph-esque snowstorm and then you're like oh I gotta do it one more time even last night there was some like I don't know if they'd be squalls you know but the wind was pretty wild and like well at least like when my friends were leaving to catch an Uber to Quebec or wherever you almost got blown across the street and I'm just like buddy like I'm I'm glad that I'm at home not having to do anything but I'm like boy that sucks for you guys right now Lee was mad at me because I was still biking (laughs) (laughs) he was like what are you doing just walk yeah and last night he came to see drink water while I was working And he was like, do you want to ride home? And I was like, don't get mad at me. But remember a week ago when you were mad at me? I'm still biking. But then we walked outside and he laughed and he said, oh, it's nice out here. You can bike. Because it was like at 11 o'clock last night, I think it was plus five and no wind. But at eight or nine o'clock, there was a tiniest bit of snowstorm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. But I don't know why I ever look at the weather network because it is always wrong 100% of the time. Yes. Don't bike today, going to be rain and no rain. Or safe to bike today, it's going to be sunny and a tornado hits. Yeah, you can't plan around that. It's the same with the bus schedule. You know, there's no point looking. <laughs> yeah. It'll show up or not when it does or doesn't. Someone came in the other day and was upset because whatever, Triangle of Sadness wasn't screening. So they were in their own triangle of sadness, basically, yeah. is what you're telling me. And I said, where did you find the information? And I always get scared that I screwed <laughs> up the schedule. And it's like, no, the schedule is fine. The bulletin board's fine. The marquee's fine. And they said it was on just Google, I think. Is this the one that has happened before? Because like, yeah. it's been like movie listings or something. I can't remember what the site So was, I said, but... I'm really sorry, but just always check MayfairTheater.ca yeah. because Google or various movie listing sites are frequently wrong. The most hilarious, which still happens, is it will list the room as room. (laughs) Every once in a while, somebody must be like, why are they playing this Oscar-winning drama favorite at midnight on a Friday? That's weird. Which we have played multiple times. (laughs) And the author introduced it one time. Yep. Which is not really, I don't know, that's more of just a fun side note, but still. (laughs) No, there was a time where we had, it was maybe my favorite week in Mayfair, where we had room and the room playing man 
that was awesome. Yeah, I think because I think she was there for like an uh, Irish fest or yeah, something or like, like that. Ottawa Book Festival, yeah, something like that. I was working it because I remember I was I don't know. It's always kind of cool when an author, or a screenwriter, or a director, or an actor, or whatever, like that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kid that was in that elephant movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, these are always fun to me. And I even went up for her Q and A at the end of the thing, and it was just sort of I didn't have any cues to be aid, but I was still <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, this is fun for people. In retrospect, I should have got her to sign a The Room yeah, DVD. Absolutely. That would have been hilarious. I mean, it must have come up. I refuse to believe that this hasn't come up to her before. In the she past. must know. Like, come on. I wonder if anybody, because Room came out after The Room. Yeah. I wonder if anybody in Hollywood was like, we can't call it Room. Yeah. I know your book's called Room. We got to change the title because you don't want to be associated with the worst movie of all time. Or is it better because she'll get some book sales from yeah. <laughs> people thinking that it was that? And then it's even worse when Disaster Artist came out, the book. So is this just room or is this like unrelated or like now they're in direct competition with each other now? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, all the questions we should, all the cues we should have, <laughs> we asked, should have asked for the A's, you know, like, come on. So one big thing that happened a couple of days ago, I didn't mean for this to go viral. <laughs> yeah, you blew up. I naively, innocently... From the box office, I believe it was during our church rental, I looked across the street and there was no chip truck beside House of Targ. Which is, to non-Ottawa people, that doesn't really seem like news at all. But to people who've been in our neighborhood in the last 20 years. Or longer. Yeah, maybe plus that. So I posted the photo and I just was like, wow, what a weird point of view from the box office this morning. And went on to get more Instagram and Facebook hits than... I don't know, any actual movie listing we've ever posted, which is a little bit of a backhanded slap because like, come on, people, don't you want to do that many likes and comments when we post about the podcast? No? Okay, fine. Yeah, it's usually just the room or something that people comment that much on. And so people freaked out. Then people started asking me questions, and I'm like, I don't know. And direct messages or comments of, what happened? Do you have any contact info? What's happening next? Is somebody else moving in there? So <laughs> Moving in there? Like, it's a little corner of yeah. a parking lot. Like, <laughs> it's not like a storefront. Anyway. So the rumors at first were landlord-related, retirement-related, moved to a different location. But... Now it seems, and this is still unconfirmed because I'm not a journalist and I haven't looked into it that much. Although you're the most with your finger on the pulse of this story Pretty in all much. of Ottawa. Yeah, I'm going to get a call from like the New York Times. Oh man, or an interview <laughs> for like Citizen or whatever, yeah. you know, where they're like, well, usually it's about the theater, but uh, hey. And I'd be like, I can't even eat there. I'm a vegan. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you ever really went there. <laughs> no. So I believe it is landlord related okay i don't want to say anything because i don't want to get slandered or whatever i also don't know is the landlord you don't have to answer this either but is the landlord of that parking lot the same as the targ building you would assume right that's what i'm imagining but this is something that has literally never ever come up before until this minute and i'm also like what was the rent like there's too many questions but anyways because it wasn't even a parking spot it was kind of just like in this little area Beside yeah. the sidewalk. You couldn't park there. Like, you wouldn't no. be, it wouldn't make any sense to have that be parking. So, I just was very confused as to what his relationship was and what the deal was and what the rent even is on a, on a spot. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see the community, social media wise, react to something like this. 
Yeah, and also, it's not like it was us, you know, trying to fundraise for a projector or something like that, but it right. is like, if he wanted to stay there, it's a little odd that they didn't do a save the chip truck campaign of any kind or anything at all. Not that he should have to, but just right. that was an institution. So it's a bit weird to me if he wanted to stay there and it was like, oh, the rent is going up by blank. So now we're doing a fundraiser to stay for, you know, I don't know. Like maybe he did want to retire. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I've been hanging around here since 1989. I'm pretty sure he's been there since 1989. I could see it. So yeah, but anyhow, it's, there's nobody there as we speak right. a couple days later. So we'll see. I don't know if a new chip truck will move in, if he'll come back, if nothing will happen. Yeah, it's such a great spot for an alternative to pierogies because like pierogies are great, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I get it. You know, sometimes you want to switch it up or you. it's right by the bus stop. I will say, though, that I mean, I've been waiting for the bus there and I've seen people like order an Uber, have the Uber come and they're just like, oh, I'm just waiting for fries. Could you just wait for me? <laughs> Wow, that's that is unless you're ordering fries for the Uber driver as well, yeah, that yeah. is not cool. So <laughs> I won't miss that. But to me, it always seemed successful. Like it seemed like he was doing pretty well. I mean, we don't know, obviously. Yeah, especially on rock and roll nights. Oh, there yeah. always seemed to be a big gaggle of people out there. Yeah, and he's just always in there. And I guess he would sometimes he'd be sleeping and whatever, and you'd, you'd have <laughs> yeah. to knock on the window. Like I just I think I, I, I ate there maybe like not more than three times ever. Right. But, you know, I respect so many people had such a connection to that thing, obviously evidenced by all the replies to your thread. Yeah, I'm curious if there will be a actual article in anything. I know a couple people on Facebook or Twitter tagged somebody else. Hey, this CBC person, do an article on this. <laughs> save, the, save the chip truck. Yeah, maybe they're like, nah, we're fine. We just moved to a new place. And it's already moved. Like, it's just, it's crazy how fast that happened and it's just over. Yeah, one of the Targ kids said he saw it somewhere around Billings Bridge, I believe. Okay. So not even that far away. That is weird. But yeah, I mean, because if it was 89, and that's probably not the first year he was there, how long do you do that before maybe you retire? I don't know. wants to retire. Or maybe he, I don't know, did he just never want to retire and now he does? Like, I don't know. The whole thing is very odd because you don't want to restart a business, essentially, in a new spot. You're starting from zero. I don't know. Like, it's not, it's a whole other world, obviously. We don't know. But. Yeah. So we screened... Sound of Music recently. Okay. It was a rental, and they're going to come back and do it again in the spring. It was very interesting because I had thought Sound of Music wouldn't be available yeah. because it's Fox, which is Disney. So the story is somebody owns the rights just to the sing-along Sound of Music. And all I could speculate is they had a really good lawyer 30 or 40 years ago and somehow got this weird addendum sidekick rule. Weird. So... Disney still owns Sound of Music, but this other person owns the sing-along. And you got to order directly from them. Yeah. And then they send you the movie and a bunch of little gift bags that has little cards and flowers and a fake invite to the ball. So that makes the person a bit more money. It's like a tiny Nazi flight to rip in half. You're like, I, I don't know about that one. That's a little too much. I asked the organizer about that. I said, I don't even mean this as a dark comedic question, but... <laughs> There must have been a time when some naive dummy dresses in soldier Nazi cosplay yeah. and goes to a Sound of Music screening. Yeah, I'm It had sure. to have happened. Yeah, like, I, I don't see why not. I mean, I see why you shouldn't, but I don't see why it wouldn't Well, the same happened. way that there's Civil War reenactments and yeah. that kind of thing. I just imagine all these people in dresses and singing along and joyful, and then they turn around and there's a person 
in a Nazi outfit because they're like, what? There's Nazis in the movie? Come on. I always thought my mom loved that and most musicals as a kid, but I always thought Edelweiss, I always heard it as Adolf Eyes. Oh. And so as a kid, and he, and they were Nazis. So like yeah, that doesn't yeah, even yeah. not make sense. I was just like, but as a kid, I was, and also like, I don't know what Edelweiss is. I never heard of that. I was a kid. And so I was just like Adolf Eyes. And I mean, it's so, <laughs> it was so long before I realized it was a word like Edelweiss. I just thought he was singing a passionate song about his love of Hitler, I guess, basically. That's the weirdest thing. I know. And I'm not, well, I mean, I was a kid, so it's like, it, it makes sense. But that just, I don't know, that blew my mind as I got older. And then I was just sort of like, okay, you know, like whatever. But the very nice thing is a mum, I think a mum and two little kids came in for a sound of music. And I just heard her say something like, now, guys, this is a really special place. And the kids went, ooh. <laughs> And anytime somebody says something nice about the Mayfair like that, I just get big anime tears flying out of my face. So that was very nice. And then we screened The Greatest Show on Earth, and a nice patron came in. And I love this. She said the last time she saw this movie was 70 years ago. Not here. Ah, uh, rats. I know. That would have been the best. I know. I should just like, lie. The last time she saw it was 70 years ago here. Wow. But the last time she saw it was as a kid, 70 years ago, on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And I got to, the words came out of my mouth before. Like, I didn't even mean to compliment, but I was like, I wouldn't think you could have seen it 70 years ago. You know? Jeez. Um, Eddie Haskell over yeah. here. Come on. <laughs> But she was, I guess, say 75. So cool. So cool. And then another younger patron came in and said it was one of her favorite movies. And she'd only seen it on PBS on the small screen as a right. kid. So this was her first big screen thing. So it's one of those things where, although not very many people came to see that movie, it is very nice that everyone who came, it was something very special. Mm -hmm. We can't do that every night. We, <laughs> we need to screen Rocky Horror six times to sell out yeah. crowds. But at least the 15 people who came to it all of them seem to speak up and say, oh, this is why this is cool that you're screening this. Yeah, we can't pay rent with good vibes. Yeah, come, come on. on. <laughs> I know. It's too much. But, still, but it is amazing. I know that's like your one, if that was every night, I mean, we wouldn't be here right now, I guess. Yeah. Or this would just be a like in memoriam <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But yeah, no, like it is awesome because that is kind of the point of this place. I mean, apart from the point of trying to make money and stay open, but <laughs> yeah. you know, to like maintain those feelings and those vintage movies. And I mean, I'm imagining you didn't ask her if it looked like as good as she remembered or if it's like better because that's the stuff that I always wonder about is when you watch that, did it look vibrant and great and cool or whatever? Or is it, I don't even know, was the projector quality, the bulb quality, all that not as good? Well, here's the thing. She did say oh. how great it looked. Okay. And I commented on how... I tried to not get too inside baseball, but I was like, <laughs> everything's digital now. Yeah. And when digital happened, a lot of purists, kind of like vinyl, were like, mm -hmm. it's the end of the beauty of cinema. <laughs> but it's hard to argue when you come see Greatest Show on Earth and it looks and sounds so good. And if we had it on film, say, even if it wasn't a first printing of it, it would not look this good. A 70-year-old movie, it would have scenes missing. It would be faded there'd be scratches on it the sound would sound pocky she did actually comment on how good it looked and so that is the thing about our digital revolution is stuff looks pretty good yeah and it's nice to see because like i wouldn't remember how a movie looked like 20 years ago probably <laughs> i try to think of that like my childhood movies that i saw at the theater that has since been sold you know i, I can't right, remember yeah. if i gave closure on that but yeah and, I, and it's funny to think back to those where you're, I'm just like 
you know, I don't know. You just, you have a memory of the movie, but not, or at least for me anyway, it's like, I, I'm not just like, oh wow, that looked so good or the colors look good or whatever like that. So it's just like my revisionist history now is just like, ah, oh, things look way better now than they ever did because I don't remember any different. Yeah. I don't remember if I saw the Goonies in a cinema with a bulb that wasn't great or if it had surround sound. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I was just love the Goonies. I remember that I saw K-Pax at South Keys <laughs> and there was problems with the sound and the movie kept restarting. And so they gave us a free pass after the fact. I love how many movie stories strangely problematically you have that tie into Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. It's not your fault. He's in a lot of movies. Yeah, no. Well, not as much lately. But Not as much lately. <laughs> this was a 20 years ago problem. Yeah. Okay, so let us chat about the movies we have the week of Friday, November 25th. Talk about being in the holiday season. Oh, yeah. And, and like basically, you know, keeping the October vibes still going. Yeah. Like they always are in my heart, you know. So we have a new film called After Sun, a very highly acclaimed movie. It's a father-daughter drama. I'm trying not to read too much about it because I want to see it. And I like going in without knowing too much of the plot. Although I don't think this movie can be too spoilery. Is it son like the star or son like a male child? Son, S-U-N. Okay, just to be clear. So I don't know what that means either. Yeah. And it's a father-daughter story. It won the Critics Week Prize at Cannes. That's a mouthful well, for I some know, reason. That is a weird sentence. The full thing is Cannes Film Festival Prize of the Critics Week Jury Award. Good Lord. That's too many words to say I won a prize. Thank God you didn't <laughs> say it as written because that's, that's too insane. Much. Yeah. 100% top critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Five stars from Empire and The Guardian. Man. And four out of four stars from the Chicago Sun Times. So. A lot of people like this movie. I think it's a movie that is going to be up for some Oscars yeah. in the near future. Wow. So after sun, maybe the sun like burns out and they have to stay alive. That's probably <laughs> think, not it at all. I don't all. think there's any sci-fi. <laughs> It'd be so good if it was at the end of the yeah. movie, just spaceships come in. Yeah, you haven't read into it though, so you <laughs> no, don't maybe. actually know. Our other new film this week is the Ottawa premiere of the latest incarnation of Lady Chatterley's Lover. All right. I think this is one of those books, I always talk about high school in that English lit classes, we were all reading books that seemed we shouldn't have been reading. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I think, like, it was, I think this was one of them, Romeo and Juliet, Animal Farm, Catcher in the Rye. Even 1984. Yeah, it's either really depressing or kind of X-rated stuff. Yeah, Brave New World, I mean, yeah. all that. So that's what I always think about when I think about Lady Chatterley's Lover. Not that it's a great piece of epic literature or uh, great epic films that have been made out of it. But just that, I think I read that when I was like 13. <laughs> yeah, I never, I knew the title, but I never read it. And like, I've seen that it's been adapted, but I'm just sort of like, I don't want to say that the title sounds like something I wouldn't be into, but I'm like, I, I don't know. It's not like as exciting as like, I don't know, the chrysalis or something like that, where I'm just yeah. like, tell me more about this chrysalis. For me though, it's funny. I have friends who don't understand horror films, the same way that people don't like roller coasters okay. or that kind of thing. I don't like affair-based romantic dramas because even if they're a really good film, I get so uncomfortable. <laughs> I thought you said affair-based, like they're at a fair. And oh, right, yes. You know, like, why, why wouldn't you like a movie based at a fair? That sounds awesome. Everybody likes going to the fair. Yeah, what's wrong with you? No, but like adulterous-based drama, I never get into. So it's interesting that some people go to this big romantic kind of thing. But for me, I get squeamish. And it's kind of complimentary because it's good conflict in the drama. But yeah, I get squeamish around this the same way somebody might get... Watch this segue. <laughs> I get squeamish at Lady Chatterley's Lover the same way that somebody might get at Halloween Ends or Barbarian. Like a normie type person, <laughs> yeah. you know, some might say. Not me, but someone. 
So Barbarian, we <laughs> we are playing those two movies by the we way. Are, that that's was, why I did the segue. He wasn't yeah. just saying words. <laughs> no, no. Barbarian, we watched. Yes. I like it when we've seen a film that we're about to screen. We may have watched that just the two of us sitting in the theater. Who knows? Which is okay because it was on a streaming service, or maybe it wasn't. Don't look. But well, look, you can even just say we watched it this copy that we have ah, shoot i should have said that that would just been smart. as we were you know researching because yes. we had to do in the podcast i really like this movie i know it's one of those mixes either real high praise reviews or people thinking and i won't get too much into it that it's i don't know too horror movie trope but i really appreciated all those tropes i thought it was smart in the way they were laid out like any smart horror film yeah. whether it be a scream type thing or a get out type thing. Mm -hmm. It has all the tropes, but it has some real original twists and turns. And I was just into it. And, yeah. and I got into it without knowing anything. Like I kind of saw the poster. I never watched the trailer before watching mm -hmm. it. And yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I avoided it for a long time because I just was only hearing good things, but a lot of it was go in as blind as possible, which yeah. for me with terrible vision was quite easy. So I, I avoided the trailers, all that. I, I managed to miss out on spoilers. So I saw it and like, I really liked it. There's some good twists, good turns. And I, and I did find like, Really, the only like sort of cliche stuff was just don't go in there. What are you doing? Like that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, that's that's very horror based. But like it wasn't just like everything they do is just like, oh, cliche, cliche. Like they do turn stuff on its ear as well, which I really liked. And, and there's a tonal shift to a couple of times that threw some people off. But for me, I'm just sort of why? Essentially, some of the complaints almost seem to be, oh, why wasn't this more like other horror movies I've seen? Is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. That. And I was like, well, why wouldn't you want it to shake things up a bit and just be its own thing, which it is. So it's not like you have to love it. But I mean, for me and, and a lot of people and, and you, like it yeah. definitely worked. There was two or three times and all I'll say, because I don't want to spoil anything, but there was two or three times where I was just like, wow. I was like, wow, I didn't <laughs> see that turn to the script coming. I didn't see that character coming. For sure. And it was, yeah, I just thought it was really well done. And especially that it's from almost Jordan Peele style, like a filmmaker who has not done 10 horror movies before. No, and he's, he's coming from a comedy background and it, it's kind of his first serious script, I guess you would say. There's definitely some dark comedy elements mm. here and there in it, but it's not, for me anyway, it was never something, and I was worried about this, that would take me out of the movie or sort of ruin the tone. Like, I never actually found that. I, I thought the balance was really good and it, it was interesting, but there was enough going on that you weren't sort of like, oh, this is same old, same old kind of thing. Yeah, and then we have Halloween Ends. We missed screening Halloween Kills because of the pandemic. Yeah. And so... Maybe we're going to watch that today so I yeah. can prepare for Halloween ends. And that, that's okay because it's been like two years now, I guess. Yeah. Whatever, but. I was really impressed with Halloween, although yeah. I was just, I get it. I get it from a business point of view that they wanted to have that fresh start. People could think, oh, I don't got to watch all the other Halloween movies. But I remember there was an early poster or photo shoot or something that had in the font Halloween Returns. <laughs> you think so, yeah. And. I just wish they would have stuck to that because now they have two movies canonically that are called Halloween and that's confusing. Well, three actually. Three. Well, no, that was not <laughs> canonical though because the oh, Rob Zombie okay, ones okay. are in their own world. I chose but to you ignore do have, one of your words. <laughs> you do have three movies called Halloween though, which is yeah. confusing. But I really liked the more recent Halloween. Right. Talk about this little trilogy as its own franchise. Halloween Ends is one of those movies that I had no problem finding reviews to put on the website or social media that had words like a horror classic yeah. and masterpiece Jeez. but then other ones that are like <sighs> one star hated it oh for sure so it's really one of those split movies yeah but whatever it becomes in the long run this little trilogy 
that this team made made a lot of money. Yeah. Made Jamie Lee Curtis cool that she was never not cool, but right. continued her cool streak. And I think brought new people to the franchise, new viewers. Yeah. And is just another gold star for Blumhouse. Yeah. Because whether you liked it or not, it was another successful movie for them. Well, and it got people talking, like very much like Last Jedi or even Return of Skywalker. It's yeah. like people liked it or they hated it, but they're still talking about it. Yeah, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I love that you look at her career, and any career has ups and downs, but this little bump that she's in right now mm-hmm. with Everything Everywhere, Knives Out, and Halloween, yeah, that's something. That's a run. Yeah, and I really liked this. I liked this movie very much. I know some people who out and out hated it, but the thing is, like, it really does, I, I don't want to keep bringing it back to Star Wars, but it almost reminds me of that when you're just sort of like people have this vision in their heads of how they think a story should go or things should be this or what they can or can't be. Yeah. And then someone else who's not you puts out this stuff and you're like, well, I hated it because that's not what I expected. There really seemed to be people who thought this would be a two hour Jamie Lee Curtis versus Michael fight. And that's the whole movie, basically. And it's just like, why? Why would you want that? Of course, they're going to fight in the movie. You're going to get that. But it's like, that's what I struggle with, with these, you know, in Texas Chainsaw and stuff like this. When you have something that sort of does something a little bit different or brings something else to the fold, but you're like, every movie in this franchise isn't great. It's not like, okay, well, we're just going to like take some pieces from other stuff and regurgitate it again. And that's what bugged me. I'm like, this tries some different things. I totally get why it wouldn't work for everyone. But it's like, the, what, a 13th one or something? Like, I yeah. can't even remember anymore. There what do you was, care? You and I may have seen somebody getting very angry on social <laughs> media about this. Yeah. And I didn't comment. I just left it alone. But that's the part I think is funny is you're not talking about something that was five stars and Oscar winning for 13 movies. Yeah. There was some real peaks and valleys to the Halloween franchise. Absolutely. And just that people embrace it. And it really, again, to bring it back to Star Wars, I remember (laughs) I saw an interview with Mark Hamill, who's awesome. Mm -hmm. And he said his disappointment with Return of the Jedi in the moment as an actor is he wanted Luke to go darker. He wanted Luke to go... Or Last Jedi or Return of the Jedi? Return of the Jedi. Okay, just to be sure. And then Harrison Ford famously wanted to die because actors always want their characters to die for some reason. And that's why they kind of had Lando come in there because there was a chance Harrison wasn't coming back for Return of the Jedi. So it's funny that that Return of the Jedi thing, decades later, Han Solo dies and Luke, for a second, has a dark thought. Yeah. But you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if they would have made Star Wars, which I would have been fine with, with old Luke and Han and Leia having an adventure and no conflict between them and they're all best of friends, somebody would have complained and said, oh, you didn't try, you didn't do anything. Mm. But they do a story where Han and Leia are split up, Luke has gone hermit, they go, oh, I fear change. So it's really tough in storytelling. But I do like that the Halloween guys are doubling down and now they're doing an Exorcist movie. Yeah. And I think that's funny. It was like, ah, you didn't like Halloween? Wait till you see what we do with Exorcist. I think they're doing a trilogy, too. That's like even hilarious. more wild. And it's funny because, yeah, if people hated the Halloween trilogy, then I mean, you know. And, God, who's alive? Because it is canonical again, or pseudo-canonical so, yeah. the way things are nowadays, right? Like, I mean, is it, well, I don't know, Ellen Burstyn, is she still? Yeah. I, can't even remember, I can't remember that franchise enough to remember what's even going on anymore. But I heard somebody's in it. Like, it is connected yeah but it's kind of the way things work now where even to mention kevin spacey again superman returns throughout superman three and four and kind of was superman three 
And at least they call it Returns and not just Superman. Yeah. That would really upset you. That's confusing. But I didn't even think about that. No, That's it's hilarious. A whole other thing. <laughs> at least this is a self-contained thing. You know, this trilogy, you know, they did what they did. And I mean, I think it will help with repeat viewings and sort of like noticing stuff in the background and all. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Interestingly, I know we kind of dig the movie uh, book adaptation kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And apparently the adaptation for this one has a lot more stuff in it as well and kind of oh. fleshes it out. And apparently it's quite interesting. Well, depending, unless you hated the movie. Did they make novelizations for all three of them i think so yeah i like that novelizations are making a comeback yeah and they're being padded out like same with i think it was rise of skywalker's adaptation had a bunch of extra stuff too and those as well i know for last jedi and rogue one specifically the novelization author actually sat down with the director and screenwriters to kind of say anything you had to cut out because it was too long anything of this so I think that's really neat. Yeah. And I think Ryan Johnson wrote the introduction to the novelization oh, for cool. Last Jedi, I think. So that's cool, too, when you get the filmmakers actually involved and say, oh, we had to cut this because of time. We had to cut this because of budget. Can you please put this scene back in? Yeah. That's real fun. Because the old novelizations in the 80s, they would give you like a rough draft of the script <laughs> and some storyboards yeah. and be like, here you go. Maybe some black and white pictures in the middle of the book. And you would just kind of <laughs> wing it. And that's why sometimes you read those novelizations and you're like, what? <laughs> Man. And it's wild that like Tony Gilroy, who wrote Rogue One, is doing Andor now. Yeah. But what's more wild about that is, so when I was putting together Bad Movie Night yesterday, I was just looking through, you know, I put random trailers and I was like, I'm going to look for 90s trailers just for fun. They're so dramatic and kind of ridiculous yeah. at this point. But one that popped up that I totally remembered was Extreme Measures with Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, you, you're using people for some kind of research, you know, and it's like medical experimentation stuff and i totally remembered that one but that was written by tony gilroy yeah which stuck in my head because i was like oh the andor guy but then what was even crazier to me anyways was his first movie his first writing credit was the cutting edge the figure skater and the hockey player who have to skate together and i was like this guy's filmography is insane i knew that because i just listened to him on mark Marin, <laughs> and it was a really good interview and he seems like a really cool down-to-earth guy but he mentioned cutting edge and said that was his big thing. That was his big breakthrough. It's amazing. Mark Maron's favorite movie is Michael Clayton. So they talk oh, about yeah. that a lot. Yeah. And it's a very interesting filmography, like nothing really terrible. I mean, you know, I, you could say cutting edge is terrible, but like just for someone cutting their teeth, moving their way up, like it was pretty fascinating to see that. A lot of filmmakers and writers have that first few projects that were just a hired gun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, So we got to mention, finally this week, we have our 80th anniversary screening of Casablanca. Oh, yeah. Which ties into our countdown of Oscar favorites that we're doing on the twos. So we did like 72, 62. So this is the 1942 Oscar winning best picture, Casablanca. I've seen the trailer a couple times just in the last few weeks. It's Casablanca. Like We're not going to sell it to you, but it's just like... (laughs) The trailer just makes me want to watch the movie again. Yeah. It's just a really good, timeless movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I really love it. And so fun to have that back on big screen again. And then that leads to our 90th anniversary screening on December 5th, which is our actual birthday. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. And a Saturday night cinema on Saturday, November 26th. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know. We're excited. <laughs> I've got a couple in the chamber just in case I get the call. Yeah. But, you know, I never I love that you're assume. like a backup goalie. Just Pretty waiting. much. I always have a couple, you know, you never know. And like, I'm always looking for some. There was one that I really wanted to do. I was keeping an eye on the Blu-ray on eBay. And then literally overnight, there was a seller that had 10 plus copies. And then mysteriously overnight, they had no copies. Oh, no. And the only Blu-rays for sale of it suddenly were 70 and $90. 
when they had been 20 the day before. So I was like, kind of seems like this went out of print overnight. And now you're, so I I like emailed the people and they're just like, oh, it's out of stock. And I was like, oh, that's just, it's just weird because you had 10 plus copies two days ago and there's no way you could have sold them. So I'm just sort of, I want them to just be like, just admit that you're going to put it up for three (laughs) times the price and they would not admit it. So I was just like, well, I'm not even going to say the name of the movie because I'm so crushed, but (laughs) yeah. At Casablanca, you know, it's, it's funny. I always think it's funny where I'm like, yeah, 1942 wasn't a lot going on at that time. So <laughs> yeah. Very dry, you know, but. I love Casablanca as well. I won't go into the whole history. Go read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> but it was not a big picture. It was a B picture. It was a remake. They didn't want Humphrey Bogart to star in it. So it kind of shows you how it never ends. There's always people complaining about, oh, nothing but remakes. Yeah. Don't like the actor in that movie. Oh, that movie didn't make a lot of money, so it's not good. You can never win. Casablanca, I think it was not a long time. I mean, it was 1942, so it's not a long time they were making movies. But within five or ten years before it, there was another Casablanca that I've never seen that is out there. And then there might have been another one under a different (laughs) title. And then the Casablanca we all know. But it was essentially the B picture. Like if there was a double bill, there was some other movie. And then it was the secondary one on the card. But then it's won some Oscars. And then in the years and decades to follow became Casablanca. Yeah. But it's one of those examples of... When a movie flops, it does not mean it necessarily is not a good movie. No, as as evidenced by us playing it now after yeah, all these yeah, years. Yeah. But yeah, so that's always fun to see on the big screen, and it looks gorgeous. It yeah. looks like it looks like you're watching it in 1942, of course. And it's like time travel. It feels like you could be back in time watching it because this is exactly how this place looked back then. Yeah, absolutely. Except for less Star Wars bobbleheads at the entrance. I yeah, think there sadly. wasn't those in 1942. No Han Carbonite behind you <laughs> there. Still... No, he was there. Oh, maybe he was. Weird. <laughs> yeah, even more strange. Okay, so we're gonna wrap things up. Oh, the Hawaiian podcast. Oh, the Hawaiian podcast. Oh my God. Okay, we're not going to wrap things up. We will quickly mention, you can go listen to a podcast called Comics for Fun and Profit. The most recent episode, or possibly the second most recent episode, you will see Eric and I's name on it. I forget what number it is of his podcast. Yeah. We recorded that a little while ago from Hawaii, which is really magic that we're both sitting in our homes on laptops and in real time doing a podcast with somebody on the other side of the planet. Yeah, it would have been nice to actually be in Hawaii, but like this was still pretty good. Yeah, why didn't he fly us in? I don't know. Yeah, we're not big time yet. <laughs> but very nice guy and nice of him to include us in a comic podcast. But mm-hmm. I did a interview with him with my writing partner, Howard, mm-hmm. and talked about the Mayfair. And he just thought the Mayfair sounded so cool. And, you know, you can put an asterisk. We screen comic book movies every once in a while. For sure. And you've worked here and you've worked on comic books. Yeah, so it, it counts. But yeah, so it was a fun interview. So go listen to that and hear us talk some more about yeah. the Mayfair with another guy. We keep forgetting. We were almost three weeks behind now if uh, we forgot. So we're good we're, now. We're the worst. We are bad journalists. <laughs> so now we're going to wrap up. Now we're going to remind you to go to Mayfair Theater. Now we'll remind you, which I always forget to do, is if you have a spare moment, retweet and like and subscribe subscribe and anywhere you listen to us, whatever platform, there will be some way to praise us and give us five stars. Yeah, that helps get the word out and we appreciate it. We'll be back next week and we'll talk about holiday season stuff because I think we will have our non stabby (laughs) holiday season stuff lined up by then or slightly less stabby anyway, slightly less. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Oh, a new Cage trailer dropped yesterday. Western, The Old Way. Aren't there like two new Cage trailers? Yeah, he he did two Westerns back to back after having never done one. That's amazing. Yeah, but this one looks amazing. Go check it out. I'm sure we'll get it.
Set in French Morocco at the beginning of the Second World War, Casablanca is the story of those desperate to escape the Nazi regime. Rick, help me. Be a fool, you can't get away. Rick, hide me. Do something. You must help me, Rick. I stick my neck out for nobody. Humphrey Bogart is Rick, cynical expatriate. What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. <laughs> and that makes Rick a citizen of the world. And who's left the table? Victor Laszlo. There is a man arrived in Casablanca on his way to America. He will offer a fortune to anyone who will furnish him with an exit visa. Oh, I should say two. Why two? He's traveling with a lady. He'll take one. I think not. I've seen the lady. Ingrid Bergman is Ilsa, the last woman he ever expected to see, the only woman he ever loved. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. I thought I would never see you again. That you are out of my life. I know a good deal more about you than you suspect. I know that you're in love with a woman. It's perhaps a strange circumstance that we both should be in love with the same woman. If you knew how much I loved you, how much I still love you. The Academy Award-winning masterpiece of its time. I suspect that under that cynical shell, you're at heart a sentimentalist. Is still one of the greatest motion pictures of all time. Are you ready, Elsa? Oh, I don't know what's right any longer. You have to think for both of us, for all of us. Dooley Wilson. You must remember this. Sidney Greenstreet. Peter Lorre. Claude Rains. This gun is pointed right at your heart. That is my least vulnerable spot. Paul Henreid. I love you very much, my dear. Ingrid Bergman. And Humphrey Bogart. Isn't it about time we play it again? He's looking at you, kid. As time goes by.